0: Hello, everybody. It's Colin Ellis here. Happy New Year. Welcome to the first Culture and Coffee podcast for 2022. I'm pretty sure in like probably like a month's time, I'm going to be like, where did the year go? I can't believe it's already February. It feels like one of those years, right? Like 2022 is the year that everything changes, much like 2021 was the year that everything changes. And you know we get back to some kind of normality. We can do travel, but 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 for now things are still the same, and, and that's okay. So here we are, rolling out another culture and coffee podcast. Um, yeah, I'm going to talk about culture change, and we get started with culture change. But Colin, you said cultures evolve; they don't change. Yeah, yeah, I know that, but people call it culture change, so let's 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 just let's just agree that we're going to call it that. For the purposes of this episode, we're going to call it culture change, not culture evolution, although I'm going to talk about cultural uh, evolution as well. I'm going to get straight back into the swing of things here. I've had a couple of weeks off. Um, I'm going to talk about coffee. This week's coffee is an El Bocoron, El Bocoron, from Guatemala, Guatemala, another volcanic country. Yeah, you can really see now that the volcanic regions are generally the best for growing coffee because of the altitude, because of the amount of water that they're exposed to, because of the soil that they grow in, obviously there's a whole process around that. Uh, So it's an El Boqueron from Guatemala, which has been roasted by growers' espresso in North Fitzroy, Melbourne. So North Fitzroy is, let me just, I'm turning around here, you can't see this. So it's it's about a half hour walk for me that way. So kind of, where am I? So I'm north, so east, so it's kind of a, Half hour walk, and it's a great little spot. They've got a great little spot, growers' espresso, got a great little espresso bar. Um, it's one of those places where you walk in and just you're just immediately swamped by the smell of coffee. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, it's a fabulous sinking picture. They've got these great tables and uh, stools at the, at the window, which is great. My favorite kind of places. Um, so the coffee has got notes of grilled pineapple, tropical fruit, cacao, and strawberry milkshake. Let me just give this a whirl. Yeah, I wasn't overly convinced I would get any strawberry milkshake, but I kind of, I kind of, yeah, I kind of see what they're getting at there. I had a question actually about the the um, palate and how long does it take for you to taste these things? You know, so when I'm talking about it, it has notes of this, right? In the same way that people talk about wine, in the same way the way that I talk about whiskey. Oh, I said I was going to do a... A, a whiskey before christmas didn't i i totally forgot about that got a little bit busy um before before christmas um the thing is um uh, is, is it's one of those things that takes time certainly i know for me for whiskey and for coffee it, it it's taken time and you have to literally look for those notes i think mostly what we do when we drink is we we just drink to hydrate um you know, or coffee. Obviously, if you've got coffee with milk in, you're getting nothing. You're just getting a load of milk. Right? That's all you're getting. It doesn't matter whether half caref double D care with a twist of lemon. <laughs> that LA storyline again. I really love that line. Um, oh, I had someone who had the most complicated coffee in front of me. One of those, I'll have a soy with a bit of this and half a spoon of that, and a single strength that. And you know, you've got to respect their choices. But seriously, you're making coffee that hard? Just have a lovely, delicious black coffee. <laughs> Just do it. Um, so it takes a while to kind of get the flavours. Don't don't overthink it. Don't go looking for things. Don't be like, oh, I think this is going to be stone fruit. It, like if you get the card, always read the card. Um, but it, it, it's like anything. It's, you know, it's like food. You know, great chefs will tell you. You really have to take your time with it and savour it. And then once you start to save the taste of something, then um, that's when, you know, you start to notice these different notes. I think as well is, you, you know, immediately say what you taste. Don't be kind of overly thinking about, you know, it's one thing or another, you know, what, what are you getting from it? But it takes time. Uh, it takes time to pick those uh, things up. So Southern Hemisphere here, so it's summer, so it's it's beautiful and warm. Yesterday went out for a walk, grabbed grab the kids out and dragged them out for a walk. It was like 33 degrees, <laughs> classic English thing to do: Let's go for a walk at lunchtime. Um, great idea. And then the kids drank all of the water that we had in the first, I want to say, hour of the trip. And then, you know... We're like three amigos dragging ourselves back after, or four amigos dragging ourselves back to the car and gasping. Uh, so it's, yes, it's, it's, it's summer here. It's something more. It's a, it's a La Nina year, which is important if you live in the southern hemisphere, because it generally means that you're going to get more rain than you would normally get. And it's not going to be as hot as it normally is. So, yeah, we've had a fair few thunderstorms here in Melbourne. This is your weather update, by the way. Your, your kind of weekly weather update. Um, and we managed to trip. I'm not, yeah, you know, I didn't mention this. At before Christmas, I'm not great at just doing nothing. It's just not my thing. It's one of the things I think I get from my dad. My dad never sat still, does never sit still, and and I'm the same, so I'm I'm not good at doing nothing. So um, because of the travel restrictions and the uncertainty, I really wanted to go, I wanted to leave Australia. It wasn't really possible, unfortunately. And um, so we hired a motorhome, not a campervan. So a campervan is where there's no divide between the cab and the living quarters. i not like a VW Combi, but a proper big old motorhome. And we went for a little tour around the state uh, for a week, uh, which was a whole load of fun. Listen to the times when I felt like Eddie from Christmas Vacation, uh, if you've seen that movie. Um uh, but it was it was, it was it was a load of fun. It really was. And We got to see how yeah, the state is massive. There's uh, 6.5 million people living uh, in, in Victoria, 6.7 million people. There's, there's 5 million people in greater Melbourne, where I live now. It, it's a lot bigger than people think. It's bigger. Melbourne, population-wise, is larger than every city in America other than New York. Uh, which is quite surprising. It's larger than every city in England. It's 10 times bigger than my home city of Liverpool. Uh, it's absolutely huge. Uh, so it was great to get around. But I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but Colin, how how did you get your caffeine fixed? Well, uh, the motorhome at a cafetier, uh, better known as a French press or a plunger. You probably know it as a plunger. Now, of course, you can make great coffee. Of course, you can. Of course, you can make great coffee. Now, you know, we, uh, what we did is we, we bought some coffee before we went um, and we got it ground in a different way. Now, the French press or so the plunger was invented by Myron Del Forge. They patented a forerunner of it in in the mid-19th century. But the the, the the one that we use today, the jug that we use today, was patented by another Frenchman, hence the term French press. Uh, that was Marcel-Pierre Jolbert in the early 20th century, so in 1924. So it's got to be... F- it's got to be coarsely ground so if 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 you've got a cafeteria, excuse me if you've got a don't just buy a bag i mean it, usually it will say for plunger or for filter it's really important you pay attention to those details right particularly for a, for a, for a plunger you need it to be coarsely ground all right because the finer the grind is the harder it's going to be to push the lid down on the plunger have you ever had that where you you feel like you have to summon up the power of thaw to push the lid down. Oh, on. Are you having trouble with the lid? Oh, it'll be fine. I'll get it down in a minute. It's because the grind of the coffee is way too fine. So you need it to be coarse. The, also, when it's too fine, there's a chance of bitterness to the coffee. So if you get your beans ground for a French press, always say to the barista that it's that it's for a French press and they'll, they'll change the grain. It's, it, it's almost like it, it's almost salt-like in the way it looks, the ground. Um, Now, if you're having a four cup French press, which is what we had when we were on holiday, it's it's, it's generally five tablespoons of coffee, five level tablespoons of coffee. You're going to add the grounds to the French press. You're going to shake it a bit so that it's nice and even. And then you're going to add the the kind of boiling water in a swirling motion. You want to make sure that all of the the coffee grounds are covered. And then what we do is we, we, we fill it to generally a third or halfway, sometimes halfway, and then we stir it. Just give it a stir, yeah. just one stir, and then fill it to the top. Leave it for four minutes, so let it brew. Don't immediately plunge it, all right? You can stick the, the, the lid on, the plunger on, don't immediately press it. Um, wait four minutes, time it, press it, then done. Now, it's better, if you're not going to drink it all straight away, generally we do, we have massive mugs. If you're going to drink it all straight away, it's better if you can pour it into another jug. So, so you know, always buy like another little uh, coffee jar that you can use because, you know, when it's sitting there, there's a chance that it might overextract. Now, of course, if you press the beans all the way to the bottom, you've lessened the chance of that happening. But it's just going to sit there. So it's better if you can, if you can pour it into another jug, preferably a vacuum jug that retain the heat if you're not going to drink it all. So there you go. That's how you use your French press, uh, and something that we used to do in the UK um, uh, way before we had any interest in coffee. And I used to love my Sunday mornings reading the Observer and with my with my coffee. So let's let's talk about the start of the year. This is my little holiday roundup. I mean, so many stories. They'll probably come dripping out as as we go through the year. So many stories from the trip. But that's enough for now, um, because I think. Um, What many organisations, and when you have time to reflect over Christmas, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, you generally get a few days off. I remember that. We take between Christmas and New Year, then you come back, make a load of resolutions. Resolutions, by the way, are the things that you do to counter the excuses that you made over Christmas. I'm just going to eat all the chocolate because it's been a rough year. I'm just going to drink all of the drinks because it's a really tough year. I didn't really needed to get to Christmas. If you find yourself doing that, you made all of these excuses for excess. I am going to party this year because I haven't partied for two years. So I'm just going to get hammered tonight, whatever it is you did. And then resolutions are like, right, I'm really going to have to lose that right? I'm really going to have to stop drinking. I'm going to have to get fitter. All of these things. Like, and if something's worth changing, of course, it's worth changing right now. Like, you know, don't do that in the future. Um, And, and, you know, one of those that particularly managers come back to work is like, I really want to do something about the culture this year. And this is the year. This is the year to do it. Um, And yes, I do say that every single year. It is. It is always the time. If you need to do anything on culture now is always the time. Don't wait. Don't wait. So I'm going to I'm going to talk about the things you need to do to get started with this kind of evolutionary process you know and 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 the topic says culture change but cultures never really change they change over time they evolve over time but they don't change like you know whenever it's the first thing i always say whenever i start my culture workshops is don't expect immediate change but you'll see immediate difference right the the, the, the week before christmas i ran a workshop and you know very kindly they got in touch and they said we can't believe the immediate difference right and you do, you do get that immediate difference because people start talking differently they think differently they act differently but that doesn't necessarily mean the culture has changed it's part of a process that it evolves so where to get started on culture change so if you're a manager the first thing to, to know is that you don't need permission to do it I think that's for me, one of the stumbling blocks, biggest stumbling blocks is, is managers feel like they need HR's permission. And you don't. I've talked about this in the past. You absolutely don't need HR's permission. You don't need to line up with any initiatives that they're doing necessarily, unless they're doing a big culture initiative in, you know where everybody's going to take part in something, in which case you just might want to check. Yeah, I, I think senior managers, one of the mistakes they make is often... They feel like they have to divulge the details of the plans that they've got on culture to everyone. You don't have to do any of that either. I like to keep them informed. Why? Culture is your responsibility. It's not like HR. It's not like finance are telling you everything about every decision is made. So I I don't understand this need for managers. Now, of course, I'm talking from personal experience here because it's not something I ever did Um. Um, I would would never encourage you to do anything that that runs counter to what the organization's trying to do. I'm not suggesting for one minute you do that. But culture, if you're a senior manager of a group, culture is your responsibility. It's up to you to do something about it. It's up to you to make sure that you've got money and time for it. But crucially, what you've got to do is you've got to stick a stake in the ground and you say, "Okay, we're going to do something. We're not going to talk about doing something. We're going to actually do something. What we're not going to do is... Is make excuses for it. Oh, we're too busy. Oh, we haven't got time. Oh, we'll do it in March. And like in the, 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 there's a bunch of things that managers talk about that aren't really culture change that they think is culture change. Right. Well, we're gonna do we're gonna do some culture. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna change the structure. Well, that's not culture change. In fact, if you do some work on culture change. You need to do it before you do a structure change, because when you redefine the culture, it actually gives people who may leave that sense of, oh, we're doing something different. That's good. Look at what we have established here. I don't want to leave that. You know, culture has got to be a competitive advantage. You want people to stay for culture. I talked about this last year with the great resignation. You know, we're going to see that rumble on into this year is people really questioning their choices, particularly in the Southern Hemisphere. We've had this opportunity to take a break a little bit and go, okay, well, I've just re-evaluated my year. What do I like? What do I not like? Am I being paid enough? Am I working with people who I like? Is my manager respectful? There was a story in the press just yesterday here in Australia about a, a, sorry, on Friday about a CEO um, who... Uh, had been sacked and the 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 company's share price dropped but what what it demonstrates is that people are not gonna stand for this bullying disrespectful harassing behavior anymore if you're a manager who who does that you're on i am serious you're on notice you are on notice you can't be that individual that does that that creates these unsafe environments you really really can't. And so in, in, in my blog that, I'm, that I've almost completed, um, which is going out tomorrow, Tuesday, if you want to sign up, it's colindellis.com forward slash boom. Um, but I'll be providing a link to this story and talking about empathy. Is, is that uh, what your culture needs more than anything is, is greater empathy, greater understanding. Uh, between people so so when you start the culture change process you've got to put a stake in the ground now is always the right time don't wait don't wait for your structure change don't wait for your operating model change another classic oh we're implementing an IT system then we'll do something no don't wait we've got to do some process redesign work great do your culture first because then you'll get buy-in for your process redesign work all right but the crucial thing is have you got money to do it? Because it's going to cost money. And I don't mean hiring me. I and mean, if you want it, that's great. I don't mean that, but you have to do some different things. All right. And they take time to do. And that's the next thing is you've got to do something different. You can't do the thing that you've always done before. One of the classic mistakes that senior management teams make and they do it time and time again is like, oh, we need to change the culture. We'll have an offsite. Great. To do what? We can do on your offsite. Because you can't decide the culture because it's not yours. So you can't define it. Now, if you're going to do an offsite that involves all staff or a selection of all staff, great. That's something different. Make sure it's facilitated. Make sure that, you know, kind of you're in the room, not leading the room. Um, And make sure that, 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 you know, kind of what you determine are the behaviours and the actions you need to take in order to live your values, in order to achieve a vision And you really wanna set a different tone for the year. You wanna say, this is what we're gonna do this year. And it's gotta feel immediately different. And that's why involving everyone is the way to go. Now, obviously, if you're a team of 500 people, then you can't involve 500 people. You know, ideally you wanna involve 80 to 100 people. You want representatives of everybody. And you'll hear that oh it's difficult to do right now because of the rules yes it is but stuff's always going to be difficult to do so you can do it virtually of course you can do it virtually or you're going to do it social distance. you know the, the one that i did prior to christmas we did social distance we um we made sure that we followed all of the rules um but you've got to you know you've, you've got to do it you can't you can't wait and you've got to you've got to identify what are those things that individuals need to do differently? So you have to force a little bit of self-awareness. So you want everyone to come back and go, okay, well, what do I know about me? What do I know about my strengths, my opportunities for improvement? Um, but also, what, what do I kind of, how do I need to behave differently? Do I need to listen more? You know, do I need to stop saying that I'm busy and, and you know, take more action? Do I need to be more respectful? Do I need greater discipline to get stuff done? It's all great. I mean, you know, the start of the year is usually my busiest time because organisations want to start off in the right way, but individuals want to start off in the right way as well. Remember that, that, that for any culture, what you don't want is for everyone to feel inspired all of the time, right? If everyone's just inspired all of the time, what you get is loads of great ideas and loads of energy, but often no real commitment to action and change because it can be a bit of a slog sometimes change but what you what you need is for people to feel motivated to do that all right and that's the benefit of redefining your culture that's the benefit of of evolving your culture is people always feel motivated you want people don't get me wrong you want people to feel inspired at different at different times but if everyone was inspired all of the time you would get you get very little done but you need people to feel motivated all of the time i think often what happens when organizations take on any kind of culture change initiatives is they're looking for a huge amount of inspiration. And, and like I said, it's not that it's a wrong thing, but with that inspiration, you want, a do- you want a healthy dose of reality, but you want a mountain of motivation, people to go back and go, it's going to be different. And I know the role that I have to play in helping it to feel different. And then the, the the, the benefit then of a cultural evolution program so this is where you do something every month is you maintain the motivation you also sprinkle in a little bit of inspiration as well but a bit of levity you have an opportunity to celebrate the successes but but in order to get started with any kind of change or any kind of evolution you have to make you have to put a stake in the ground and say, we're going to do something. We're not going to let anything get in the way. We're not going to make excuses for not doing it. We're not going to wait for the optimal time because now is the optimal time. We're going to involve as many people as we possibly can. We're going to focus on on uh, on doing something different, on making sure we change some of the things that we do right now, which are dumb. Um, we're going to make sure that people feel motivated we're going to we're going to challenge some of the brilliant jerks so there's another good place to start with any kind of cultural evolution is start dealing with those people that have been holding you back for years don't make excuses what are my jobs I was talking about this in the workshop that I did before Christmas it's I I said you know I I was talking to this one individual I said oh you know in the past I had this you know, particular person who got in the way, but we couldn't do anything because it was a year from retirement. I'm like just making excuses. I was like, that's a year of you potentially leaving good staff because you lack the courage to deal with that individual. And I, you know, told the tale where I performance someone, performance managed someone who was eight months from retirement. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't want to do that. I'm ever saying to the guy, I was like, I don't want to be doing this. I was like, it seems ridiculous that I'm doing this but I can't have you behaving and speaking to people in the way that you do for the remaining eight months. What well, my job here is to help you go out on a high where people think the best of you. And, and and there's a bunch of people like that in organizations. And unfortunately, a lot of them are in senior management positions. So if you're a CEO listening to this, it could be, I mean, it could be you. <laughs> Hopefully it's not, because you're listening to this podcast. You're like, I want to get better. It's definitely not me. But you might have a bunch of senior managers who you're making excuses for. And I've, I hear it all the time. Oh, he's like that. He's like that. Or oh, that's the way that she does that. Now, nah, nah. if it's disrespectful to people, if it's demotivating, if it's harassing, if it's disrespectful, you know, and, and, and it's as simple as someone just doesn't show up on time, anytime, someone never reads anything, and they constantly questions. There's a load of behavioral and performance issues out there that need to be dealt with. And if you start with those things, what you're saying to everyone else is, it's gonna be different. I can see what's happening here and I'm gonna deal with it. And yes, it's tough to do, but this is where you learn. This is where you learn about yourself. This is where you start to rebuild something different, something new. And I get that there's fear around that. Had to do it myself. It's tough. No one wants to do it. I totally understand. But you have to feel the fear and do it anyway. It's your job. If you're a manager, it's your job. Now, if you're an employee, you're not a manager. um, Maybe now's the time to report that behavior. Again, I'm not trying to encourage you to be a troublemaker in any way, shape or form. But if you feel you're being harassed or bullied, you need to know there are people there to help you. And no, it's not the norm to show up in work and, and and be subject to that kind of behavior. And I think the thing that the last thing I'll mention about any kind of cultural evolution activity is there needs to be accountability. You know, it's the thing that I stress at the end of my, throughout my programs, I make sure there are regular touch points and you have accountability groups and you know what you've got to do and you catch up with your accountability group every once. There's, there's There's a team that I worked with two years ago, right? And I did a and 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 the the um, engagement scores have gone up like 30% they've done, they've done such a cracking job they really really have two years on they're still meeting with their accountability groups and these are different people from around the organization people that didn't know they go out for christmas dinner they celebrate birthdays together they've created these bonds and this of course what you get then is informal mentoring and that's you know one of those things that really that really helps to evolve culture positively But there's got to be that accountability because I or any other facilitator of cultural evolution, we can't be there to hold your hand. You've got to do it yourself and you've got to want to do it yourself and you've got to maintain that accountability. What you can't afford to do is fall back and do things in the way uh, that you've always done them. And remember, if you're a leader, you have to role model what good looks like for everyone else to follow. And you've got to be consistent. You can't drop the ball for a second. That's what it means to be a leader. All right. So if you're in any kind of leadership position, remember that you've got an opportunity and it's a privilege. Leadership is a privilege, uh, but you've got to work hard to achieve that. Um, And when you do work hard and when you are consistent, then it starts to permeate through everything and people start to follow your lead. And all of a sudden you're working in an environment where stuff gets done. People are happy. People want to join. People that leave, you send them on their way with your blessing and you're able, you've got a pipeline of people that you can draw from, people who are desperate to, to be involved in the work that you do. And you challenge the poor, poor performance, you celebrate success, you find time for innovation. All of this great stuff happens because you decided to get started on the culture evolution or the culture change process. Welcome to 2022. Hope this year is a great year for you. What time it? It's the 10th of January. 10th already. Where did the first 10 days go? Uh, all the best for a great year ahead. Um, and looking forward to sharing my thoughts again with you as we go through the year. to now.